0: Hi, Stephanie here. I am an entrepreneur, lobbyist, wife, mother, book lover, and political junkie. I think gender equality is still a work in progress in our homes, our workplaces, and our politics. And I love to learn, especially from other women. So I started Women Don't Do That, a podcast and blog to talk about issues women care about today and to inspire us to do whatever it is we think we can't do. To say that i am excited about today's guest would be a complete understatement i am ecstatic so today's guest is christy clark she was the premier of british columbia which is canada's third largest province for six years throughout her tenure Miss Clark demonstrated the strongest performance of any Canadian premier for economic growth, fiscal management, and job creation. Miss Clark retired from political life in 2017 as the longest serving female premier in Canadian history and the only woman in Canada ever to be re elected. Now she works at a law firm, Bennett Jones, and spends her time on boards. Welcome, Christy.
1: Thank you. It's so nice to be with you, Stephanie.
0: I'm so excited to have you today. I want to kick off things by asking you, what does life look like for you right now?
1: You know, I sit on some corporate boards, which is really interesting because it's really, it's totally different from politics. You know, Mm. in, in, know, in politics, you're running a 50, like for us, $55 billion budget, and that's a lot of money. But it's completely different from looking at P&L at a company and, you know, it's just everything is different. And the, the, both of them undergo a lot of scrutiny. But again, the scrutiny is completely different kind of scrutiny. Um, and I work for a law firm and I travel a lot. And, you know, I mean, work from home, I, I know it's been really, really, really difficult for a lot of women, but because my son is away at university and it's just my partner and me, it's been, it hasn't been terrible. Um, and, you know, the work from home thing, I can do this with you, right? Yeah,
0: it's, that's great. Where so, well, you... I,
1: guess the short, I guess the short answer is life for me is really good right now.
0: Oh, wonderful. Um, where does your son go to university?
1: He goes to, in Chicago. Okay. So he's, he's yeah he's um down in the states he's studying theater oh wow so, yeah yeah so and he's he's very you know he's he's a writer and a director I mean, he dances and sings and not does all that stuff too but I think he's interested more in the you know the shape the actually creating the 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 work rather than just you know performing in someone else's creation but I, I'm really I, he loves it he's a natural at it that's and it's so a business right content yes. and entertainment's huge so absolutely success yeah
0: yeah another question that we ask all of our guests is what motivates you to live your best life
1: um it is for me connection with other people mm-hmm. and um conne- it's it's authentic uh present connection with other people mm-hmm. and um i get I get a lot of, um, joy and, and, and satisfaction out of discovering what's going on, you know, finding out about other people. So people will, you know, I'm sure that's part of the reason you do your, your podcast too, Stephanie, right. It's like to discover the joys and fears and anxieties and loves and of, of another person is a, is a journey. And so it's, Mm -hmm. I, I really love connecting with people on that level. And I think that's, the discovery of different people and their cultures, yes, and their lifestyle—you know, whatever—is just. I mean, you don't really need to travel, right? Especially yeah. not if you're a Canadian, because you can travel, you know, th- through the memories of any person on your block
0: to a mm-hmm.
1: hundred different countries.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that answer so much. It makes me think about when, when people ask me about networking. And, you know, I'm trying to give people advice sometimes when they ask me. And for me, I think one of the things that's really important is that you genuinely want to learn about the other person. You gen- it's not just about, oh, you know, what kind of business connection can they get me? But ask questions, get to know them. And that you legitimately want to know the answers will set you apart from someone else.
1: I think that's true. I think that's true. I think that people want to be known. Most mm-hmm. people want to be known because um, I think being known a lot, it lets us know that people care about us and mm-hmm. it's so important to be cared about by other people. Life is, you know, I think about, I know, you know, for people who they, they don't feel like anybody cares about them. A story Stephanie um, from my life was uh, between when I was in politics, cause you know, I was in politics for like, I don't know, seven years or six years or something. Um, and then quit and then got back in and became the premier. And in between there, I worked at, I had my own radio show and it was, it's right downtown. And every day I would leave at noon and I would go and get sushi every single day. <laughs> kind of embarrassing. I eat the same thing every day for like five years, but that's whatever you can analyze that later. But I, you know, it was a busy corner in Vancouver and, um, there were a lot of homeless people. And mm. so I would always talk, like I would just sit and talk with the homeless guys. One of them I really got to know well, Jimmy, he's like, we became friends. I would visit him in the hospital and stuff. And it was like, I, one homeless guy comes up to me, he goes, you know what, lady, I don't know who you are, but you're the only person that notices us. Mm. And he said, you know, like, it's not, it's not about the money. It's yeah. about being noticed. It's yeah. about being seen and known and Like, I really, I never, I didn't really think of it that way. Uh, But him telling me that sort of changed, really altered my view of people in general. So the funny thing is too, I become the premier. And of course, you know, everybody's, you're surrounded by the cops, not that much because it's Canada, but they're always there. And I would, homeless guys would run at me and the cops would like start, you know, they would get really upset. And all they wanted to do was hug. Yes. Right. And so I would hug them. Mm-hmm. They didn't want anything from me. They didn't really want to complain. They didn't, they were just <laughs> people who wanted to hug me, you yeah. know, and because uh, a lot of them I knew, right. right. So, yeah, it's know.
0: interesting because when you came premier, I'm sure that brought some of those issues, social issues to the forefront for you in a different way that it would have had, you not had that experience.
1: Totally. It totally. And this is my experience of life in general too. And I mean, from a women's perspective, um, you know, it's, it's we talk about diversity, right. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, and it's like a check the box kind of a thing. And I, I, and I'm not sure the way that we're doing it is really the best way, but at least people are doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was, it wasn't, I didn't want half my cabinet to be women because I wanted to say, Oh, guess what? It's 2015 or whatever, you know, whatever the minister yeah. said, I wanted to, I did, did it because I needed to have women's perspective about the lives that we were affecting. And so my story of it is when my mom was very ill, she, uh, she was um, fatally uh, affected by a brain tumor and Mm -hmm. um, she uh, was in the hospital. Right. And then she came out of the hospital and she moved into my house with me and stuff. And, you know, my brothers were great. They were in there they were moving the boxes around to, you know, make the basement into a, into a proper home. And, you know, they were making sure that the home nurse got paid and things like that. But I was the one that was brushing her teeth. I was the one that was crawling into bed with her when the prednisone was making her all paranoid and crazy. I was the person who was negotiating with the nurse to see how many drugs she got, when she got them during the day. I was the one that was feeding her, all that stuff. And it's a totally different understanding of how healthcare works. So when you're in government or in a company, you need women around the table talking about Healthcare from their perspective and education from their perspective. Yeah. Like guys care about education too. They want their kids to get a good, but the mothers are the ones doing the homework with the kids and yes. going to make the teacher and stuff when they, you know, when there's a problem at school, right? Yeah. Dad never goes to the principal's office when your kid gets in trouble. Right. So it's just, I just found when we were around that table, having half women mm-hmm. was we made way better decisions way better decisions. And it wasn't because women are smarter or women are kinder or more collaborative. It was because women just have a different experience of life. Mm -hmm. And if they're not there, it's not heard.
0: I was gonna ask you later on about why women should be involved in our care about politics. And I think you just answered that question.
1: Well yeah, I mean I I think that I think too it's important that everyone starts to see women as leaders, Mm -hmm. you know, as well. Like we just, it's, it's a problem that when kids grow up, you know, if you, if you see it, you can be it, but the opposite is also true. Mm -hmm. And if you don't see, you know, in Canada, I'm the only woman who's ever been reelected as a first minister like, that's terrible. It's terrible. Right? It's terrible. terrible. I know. I mean, hopefully that'll change soon. But still, like, we've had a long history. There have yes. only been like 15 or something female premiers mm-hmm. in the entire history of our long history of our country with 10, 11 provinces. Like, come on, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a surprise that young women grow up thinking, oh, gee, I wouldn't go into politics because it's a man's job. Right. And it is actually a man's job in Canada. Right. And yeah. doesn't, doesn't Trudeau and politics say, oh, I'm a feminist all they want? Well, you know, okay. Thanks.
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. there's so many systemic issues that need to change right now. Uh, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but the House of Commons is re-debating whether or not they should continue to have hybrid sittings at Parliament. So that's really interesting where, you know, some people can be remote and some people can be in the House and Some people look at that and say, oh, well, that's more flexible, maybe for mothers. So I don't know. It's an interesting debate and it's taking place right now.
1: I love that idea. I mean, having sat in a parliament in, you know, I can tell you, I mean, but active politicians can never say this, right? Because they get in trouble for it. But actually being in the House of Commons or being in the legislature, most of the people in there don't need to be there at all. Mm -hmm. And they're not doing work most Mm -hmm. of the time. They're kind of, they're bringing their work from their office into the parliament, you know, and trying to, you know, get signed papers and things like that. But you can't collaborate to make decisions. You can't meet with deputies. You can't resolve problems on behalf of your constituents because you're sitting there and you're not allowed to talk, right? Somebody's on the mic. So I think there's a lot of very practical reasons to do it from a governance perspective. I think we would have more government actually happening in a good way. Yes. And I, but I do think that for women, being able to work from home, I mean, I know everybody, you got a pile of dirty laundry that needs to get in the wash on one side and you've got kids (laughs) trying to detect a frog online on the other, it's not ideal all the time, but having the flexibility
0: Mm -hmm. to,
1: I mean, you know, you're nursing a baby, right? Mm not everybody wants to do that in the house of commons. No, I mean, mean, it's okay (laughs) on TV, (laughs) on TV, like maybe not everybody wants to do that. Right. So, you know, and so then how do those women sit in the chamber, right. If they've got like a child who's under
0: two. Yeah. I think there's still a perception that politicians are lazy and I think like for anybody who's ever actually worked for a politician or worked in politics knows that that is absolutely not true. And maybe there's the odd one, but the majority of them are some of the hardest working people you'll ever find. And even, I mean, you know this, Christy, there's so many places you travel in Canada that are just not easy to get to. So for some MPs, if they're trying to go home to the ridings for a weekend or something, It can take a full day, like 12 hours or whatever, just to get back to their riding. Like it's insane.
1: And that's your most important job, right? Is to represent your constituents because they don't have any other voice there. And so you have to go home to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, I think that's the, and that's the other benefit. You're quite right about hybrid work is it will allow members of parliament and members of legislatures to be in their home constituency. And, you know, if if you're a little, a small country, right? Say you're Denmark, right? Or Holland, you know, okay, not so big, but Canada Mm -hmm. is the second biggest country landmass in the world. Yes. And one of the smaller populations in the G7, right? G10, whatever it is now. So (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think, I think they should, they should just bite the bullet and get it done. And Paul, I agree with you politicians get this bad rap for being lazy and that is just absolutely even the politicians that I can't stand the ones that have said the worst things about me my worst enemies yes they are really hardworking too yeah.
0: yeah yeah it's yeah it's actually hard to find when that is uh, is lazy I want to jump back a bit to talk to through kind of your career and some of the milestones you already talked a little bit how you jumped in and out of politics a bit can you talk to like how you got interested in politics and a little bit of a little bit more of how you got to what you're doing today?
1: I got into it because um, it was seemed politics seemed like a very natural profession to be into. So I, which I know is weird yes, and because most people are well, who would go like what, you know, people, that's why people ask the questions, like, what were you thinking? Yeah. What?
0: Nobody does <laughs> that.
1: Yeah. Right. But when I was growing up, my dad, he was a public school teacher. And he was the president of the Federal Liberal Riding Association. And the federal and provincial liberals were kind of the same thing in those days. Yes. And um, we, were in a, we lived in a community that never, ever, ever elected liberals. Right. And so you could never get anybody to run. And in those days, the practice was, if you were the riding president and no, you couldn't find a candidate, you had to do it. Oh, Wow. And so my dad ran in three elections, lost, like got slaughtered in, <laughs> in all of them. Like, like, you know, less than 5% of the vote, I think, in one of them. But we would be out there door knocking for him. You yes. know, Christy Clark, he nine, four years old, 96, We yeah, well, for my dad, that was. And so, and we just, we talked about politics around the dinner table mm. all the time. And so when I went to university, um, and I didn't have any friends, which, you know, I think is a story for a lot of first years. Yeah. Um, I thought well maybe a great way to meet friends would be join the the liberal club so we did that and those people are my best friends today half of them make up my book club my best friend <laughs> mike mcdonald was the president of the young liberal club he was my chief of staff when i was a premier he ran my campaigns like it's just <laughs> i can tell you this stephanie being in politics is its own reward because you get so again it's so meaningful to be able to affect so many people's lives hopefully mostly positively yes but it's also just an incredible way to have a tribe of friends because you've been in the foxhole together who will last you the rest of your life those people i trust every single one of them with my life with my child with my my dearest possessions and because we are we will always always have each other's backs that's the great thing about politics
0: yes yeah that's amazing so that's how you so that's how you got an interest how how i guess before you get into how you ran maybe can you explain for folks who don't know the difference between the liberal party and bc versus the national party because it's a little bit different in canada
1: it is, yeah, because we've got the federal, you know, the the national parties, of course, right, the NDP, the conservatives, and the federal liberals. And then in the provinces, you know, each province has its own set of political parties, some of which reflect the federal parties, but mostly don't. Mm-hmm. So um, in B.C., the 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 federal our liberal party it's called a liberal party but it's kind of half federal liberal voters and half federal conservative voters mm-hmm. and um, you know that's because in British Columbia the NDP is a very very stronger in British Columbia than anywhere else in the country and the only way to make sure the NDP always get beat <laughs> is if the other two parties all vote for the same candidates okay. so that's what we do so in you know it's just kind of like Quebec has the same thing right Quebec has a liberal party that where a lot of people vote liberal provincially, they don't vote lib- liberal federally. So they're <laughs> kind of, I'm a federal liberal, um, but you know, most of, I'm, I'm going to say, probably 80% of my cabinet wasn't.
0: Right, that's which really is what, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what, the thing that I loved about it is it really um, forced all of us to focus on the things we agreed on. Mm. And that's a real... I think that's a real missing element in Canada and the world today. Everybody's all talking about what all the things that divide us, right? So there's identity politics, there's, um, you know, guns, there's just, you know, anger. It's all like you, you, you're bad, you're terrible. And, you know, here's, here's um, kind of what divides us. And I think we are better, especially in a country like Canada, that's so big and so disunited where we have politicians who are thinking about what okay look yeah there's a lot of things we disagree on what do we have in common
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um I think that's you know that's why I'm you know I'm supporting Jean Charest to become the leader of the conservatives because I don't think Justin Trudeau is a uniter I think he's a divider
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: that Polyev is the same thing he's a divider not a uniter and I think people around the world have to really worry about that and when I was in my cabinet I would say to everybody in our caucus look some of you are pro-life some of you are pro-choice and like i'm pro-choice but you know i respected those people's views we weren't doing anything to legislate around it okay now let's talk about how we can create jobs for people Mm -hmm. and grow the economy let's bring some investment in let's lower taxes so people have more money in their pockets let's build a stronger economy yay 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 go go and then we all the stuff that we didn't agree on nobody even talked about it anymore right we didn't need to yeah that's amazing we that
0: were more important right yeah so the first time you ran how did that come about
1: um i was working in ottawa for uh, mr Crutchen, and um i was like 28 i think it's it's kind of a weird story <laughs> um and my brother runs runs into gordon campbell he he was the leader of the bc liberals and um he'd just become the leader and my brother and he was looking for candidates. And my brother said, Hey, you know what? You should talk to my sister, Christy. She'd be <laughs> a good candidate. And I'd hosted something for Gordon in Ottawa. Some event brought all the Hill people together. Cause I wanted him to, you know, I wanted Ottawa to kind of get to know British Columbia a little bit. Um, and, and I guess he'd had a good experience that he goes, Oh, okay. So he phoned me and um, he talked me into running in the, in this riding that I was, very unlikely to win um and i won by 468 votes (laughs) (laughs) and every friend i had across the country came out to support me it was amazing people from montreal toronto we everybody was living on the on the campaign floor on the couch it was it was really (laughs) a fun a super fun campaign and um, every other riding around me every other one lost like I, we were, I was the only riding where we won because we ran such a fantastic campaign um and uh, yeah and and then we were I sat in opposition for four years until until uh, we got a chance and then we in 2001 as you probably know um we won every seat in the legislature except two
0: it's phenomenal
1: so it was easy to get ele- I, the second time I got elected I think in 2001 I think I got like 78, 75% of the vote or something. <laughs> it was just the amazing. other, I mean, that wasn't me. It was just everybody <laughs> was so much by then.
0: And when you stepped away from politics, were you the deputy premier at that time?
1: I was, I was deputy premier. And by then I, I'd been minister of education, mm-hmm. but I, I'd, I'd, I'd become minister of children and families um, after that. So I was deputy yeah. premier minister of children and families. And then, and then I quit. And then Even you children and families is not a fun job, I'll tell no,
0: you. No, e- e- both of those portfolios, especially in today's context, would are very tough. Um, so then you went and worked on radio. You had a young son at the time. I think I read that part of the reason you wanted to take a break from politics was to focus on your son.
1: Yeah yeah so I was pregnant when I got elected in 2001 maybe that's why I got so many votes because I was like the fattest pregnant person <laughs> yeah I, I was so I had gained so much weight when I was pregnant <laughs> when, I, when I went to the hospital and then the nurse comes in because I'm you know I'm trying to deliver the baby right it's like it's taken a long time and she goes well so did you gain weight during your pre-? and I she said I said yeah." She said, how much and I told her how much and she just looked at me shook her head rolled her eyes and walked away from me <laughs> like <laughs>
0: oh my I mean, goodness.
1: so I think if I think people wanted to, people kind of felt bad for me I had to, I, it was a hilly riding right so I have to walk up the hills and uh, to people's front doors and stuff <laughs> but anyway so I I had the baby um in 2001 when I was a cabinet minister I don't know back then I think there'd maybe been one other person who woman who'd done that um at, in Canada and um and then yeah so I you know, I served in government for four four years, I think, and then then quit to look after him because it was a lot. Like it was, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was, it was hard to do the job. You know, to get to all the cabinet meetings and the treasury board meetings, and and you know, we were a new government, right? So we had a lot going on. Like we were out there revising contracts with all the unionized employees in government. We were, you know, there were strikes happening because people were mad about that. Like there was just, you know, it is when you're a new government, right? Mm-hmm. Just doing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. That was, it was, it was a really hard pull those first four years. I've never, I think it was harder than being the premier. Wow. You know, like a little baby that you're nursing and, yeah. right. And- those are the
0: mm-hmm. toughest years, I think, for any mum, right? So to do that and, and have such a high profile demanding job.
1: Is, yes. Yeah, it was it's, really it's, hard. It, it, you know, so I, I, I have a lot of sympathy and time for women who are juggling that.
0: So was it a hard decision to go back then? Um, You
1: know, my process around that was I was really lucky because the, I was in radio and I talked to the head of the of the company and I said, look, I'm thinking of going back into politics. And so I can't, you know, but before I do that, like, could I come back to my job? And he, goes, he says, are you kidding me? Of course. Like he's like, that's free advertising, Chris. So you run for leader <laughs> yeah. and then you lose that. That's like the best case scenario from <laughs> my perspective. I so love he it. Said, we're going to take you just take a few months off and you'll come back. Well, I ran for leader and I won. I know. And then I, you know, we were 20 points behind and the pr- province, the Vancouver province newspaper, which is the biggest newspaper, second biggest newspaper had a big front page that had a picture of my opponent. And it said, this man could kick a dog and still win the election. And like, everybody thought I was such a loser and every, like, and I just decided, you know what, I am going to show my son that you should not, you cannot change anything if you don't try mm-hmm. and that there's honor in trying and losing There's, you know, there's honor in in just trying. And that just because it's hard, just because it's not guaranteed, just because maybe it's impossible doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And I felt like it was really important for him to see a woman do that too. And I thought, you know, what kind of a person are, am I, my party needs me to run. I really believed that the province needed our party to win because the other guys were so bad and they were going to make such a mess of it. Right. I really believed we had to win. And I thought I was going to be, I was the only person who could do that. So who, yeah, sure. I could have taken the easy road and turned away from that obligation, but I honestly, like, I know it sort of sounds stupid or something, mm-hmm. but I just really felt like I had an obligation to my province to, to be there and my party to be there when they needed me. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to show my son, that's what you do. And he's, that's the person he is today. He doesn't care about hard, You know, he's in the entertainment business. He's writing music. Like that's not easy, right? No,
0: no, that's amazing. And then you won, you proved them all wrong.
1: I know that was the best part. (laughs) I know we got more seats than we had, than we had under my predecessor. So that was all, yeah, that was that part of it was great. I remember that night, election night, walking um, through the, basement of the hotel where the party was and um you know the, the politicians you always have to walk through the kitchen and the basement and stuff like it's, very, it's really not glamorous yeah. uh, <laughs> park cars there alarms were anyway i um i remember walking through there and just feeling because campaigning as you know is really hard right yes. it's just non-stop and you have to be perfect all the time dalton McGuinty, who was the premier of ontario said to me christy when you walk out the bus, out, out off the bus, just remember, everything is on your shoulders, like every everything. So don't make a mistake.
0: <laughs> no pressure.
1: But it was really like it was the best advice I ever got. Yeah. And I walked off that bus, and it was just, but it was a, it was hard. So anyway, I remember walking through the basement, just thinking, did I dream this? Yeah. <laughs> like. I, 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 I wasn't really, I knew I was full of confidence that we were going to win, but there was always a part of me thinking, come on, Christy, it's a long
0: shot, right? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. For, for people who are listening that maybe don't know, can you obviously kind of high profile, but give a bit of a snippet of like, what does a premier do? Like, what are your responsibilities?
1: Everything. So. <laughs> I mean, like really everything. So um, in Canada, we've, uh, as you know, we've got this division of power. So provinces, it's just like in the states, right? States do some things and the federal government does the other things. So, um, but, you know, healthcare, education, you know, helping, supporting municipal governments, transportation, everything, right? So, but what the premier really does is sets the big direction. So the thing that I did when I first became the premier is I said, we are going to have a plan and Mm. we're going to, and you know, one of the reasons I did it is because people say this about women all the time. We know this from all the research that they've done at Harvard and other places that nobody gives women credit for having a plan, having a vision, setting goals. Those are man things. You know, but we can execute on the plan, right? You know, we can type up the letter. We can serve the
0: coffee when they read the plan.
1: Yes, exactly. So (laughs) I'm like, no way, damn it. We're going to have a plan. And it was, we chose eight sectors of the economy that were export oriented. This was all about growing the economy, right? Because the economy was in the, we had like this huge deficit I'd inherited from my predecessor. It was just, you know, we'd come out of the recession, right? So it was a mess. Eight growth sectors. Uh, and we had a plan for each specific sector. So everything from international education to mining, to uh, technology, clean tech in particular, um, to, you know, LNG. And then each one of those had a sub plan. And each of those plans had, a, had its goals. And, and then we would, we took it and we would meet a cabinet and we would go through where we were at on it. And we would check, okay. Minister X, Deputy Minister Y, you know, why haven't you gotten this done yet? What's the problem? How do we fix the problem? And that was how we worked it. And I'll tell you, having that plan made such a difference for, you know, for what we, for achieving things. And it made it pretty easy kind of in some ways to be the premier because then it's just like, okay, have you done the, have you, you know, what's, what are our numbers in international student enrollment? Well, you know, it's not really growing in uh vancouver but they're killing it up in Kamloops. so you know and then you can get okay what's so let's get some heads together and figure out what's working not working you know in vancouver so it was actually um the the part of it that was um the most challenging and probably the most interesting was the international travel because in order to you know attract investment Mm -hmm. in order to build businesses and build you know an economy you need to attract investment And so I spent so much time in India and Asia um, trying to drum up, drum up money from investors. And that was a really interesting process. It's hard, but it was um, because the cultural differences are so vast Mm -hmm. between Japan and China and then, you know, India and the different parts of India. And that was, you know, it, that was something that I don't think you get in many Jobs, and yeah. I don't think it's something that many women really get to do. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I would go into these places, and like literally, women were serving the coffee, and there were like some countries, Korea, Japan, there were no women except me. Wow! Like in these in these halls of power,
0: that's amazing. It makes me think about like the criticism that women face in politics, right? And I know like. Oh people have criticized you from like your looks to your personality and can you talk a little bit about some of those challenges as a woman that you face in your career
1: I hated that Mm -hmm. I hated it and you know I hated getting hit on all the time
0: yeah you know
1: and like no but I mean it happens to everybody right yeah oh totally right all the time um it just I, I I don't really understand why like it seems like a lot of men, half of the men I, I run into think that that's okay. Right. You know, they're not doing it to me. They're doing it to somebody else. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. But um, I, I am um, the obsession that the media would have with my hair, with my, like they, somebody did a whole, somebody stopped me in a hotel in Prince George in the Northern British Columbia, and said, Christy, I'm just so disgusted by what I saw them say about you on the news. I said, well, i what was that? They had this whole segment about what about my hair, <laughs> about how I had bad hair. I'm not joking. Like, it wasn't a whole like it was like they're chatting about my hair, yeah. like and th- who does that with men? Nobody, right? No. I mean, maybe Donald Trump, right? But
0: he was, you know,
1: he was <laughs> kind of he was sort of he was an oddity, right? He was an unusual specimen. But this idea that um, it that we are so distracting
0: mm-hmm. to men, yeah. they can't
1: look at us. And hear what we're saying that's that's the problem right Mm -hmm. is that we live in a sexist society where women are valued for our attractiveness our ability to bear children or whatever our reptile brains tell tell men and so they can't hear us when we're talking to them yeah because they're so distracted by what we look like right and i you know women have absorbed that too i mean we Does anybody follow Kim Kardashian on Instagram? Yeah, like a lot of us, right? So I just, we have also fallen into that trap and I think it's um, such a distraction. So what I do, the way I dealt with it is I only wore, I almost always wore monochrome clothes. Mm -hmm. I always wore a blazer. Um, I tried mostly not to wear V-necks as much as possible. I, I got, you know, you lean over the desk and things happen, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and I just, I tried to be as um, undistracting as I possibly could be like no, no flashy earrings, hardly any jewelry. It's wild. Yeah. Right? All the time. And I tried to look exactly the same every single day.
0: That's yeah. And how do you think, how do we get past that? Like, what do we need to do? <laughs>
1: well, you know, I think, so first of all, I think women need to choose right. As individuals, I mean, this whole thing, you know, you can wear what I want to wear, what I want just to express myself, you know, it would be nice if we lived in a world like that, but we don't. So recognize the reality of it, first of all, and accept it's not accept that it's just not fair. But if you're, if you're going to be wearing a really short skirt and a really low cut top, you're not going to be heard. That's the way it is. So don't, You know we have to we have to play that game um and I think when there are enough women around in the halls of power we mm-hmm. do just we are we know we are we normalize the whole world a little bit right it's you know in politics and in business I I kind of just think you know how so many guys marry their assistants mm-hmm. you know yeah you that, right yep. <laughs> their second marriage usually right you know they and why is that? It's because they're available. It's not because, you know, oh my God, it just so happened that thousands of men have just mm-hmm. been in, had this incredible good luck that their life mate was right. paired with them by the staffing firm that works for their company. Right. Right. No, it's just because she was available. That's how men work.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. It makes me think about like, what can we do as parents, like in today's society, right? Like my, so my friends have young boys and they're trying to be very intentional about how they raise their kids. But I feel like so many, the conversations still haven't changed. I have an 11 year old daughter and she, she was told at school that wearing like spaghetti strap tank tops, like distract boys. You're not allowed to wear them or different things just that the, the boys have said. And like it's not changing
1: I know I know and you know it's it's not fair that women have to change because boys can't keep their eyes to themselves (laughs) right like really it's not but um I I I think that kids are being raised in this in hyper sexualized environment Mm -hmm. and girls feel like they need to expose themselves a little bit you know Mm. that they need to dress sexy at a young age um they they need to be beautiful to be valued and Mm -hmm. i think i think the most important message that we can give our children our boys and our girls is that your the way you look the way you dress has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you are valued and Mm -hmm. whether or not you are important yeah Um, and i think as parents we sort of play into that right because we want our girls to be princesses and pretty and well you know we are not we're not going to win the battle sadly by kind of playing into the sexualization of 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 women and girls and you know boys need to take some responsibility for it too but I think we I think it's getting worse rather than better. So Stephanie, I don't actually have a good answer for that. That's
0: okay. That's a, it's a still a good decision. It makes me think about. I saw this uh, um, TikToker do like a clip, and she had a large chest, and and it was kind of like, "Am I am I being sexy or do I just have boobs?" <laughs> it was it was really funny, and I was like, hmm, "That's very relatable." Good
1: for her. Good for, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought it was great that Billie Eilish when she started uh, yeah. it would, would completely hide her body. And she basically said, I just don't want people to be focused on my body. Yes. I want people to be focused on my art. Right. I thought that was, I thought that was a fabulous message in the Kardashian obsessed society yes. that we're in. Cause I think that the Kardashians have done more damage to women um, yeah. it, than any, any single group of people in the last, you know, I don't know, 20 years I think I think it's just terrible
0: yeah it's um even recently I mean I don't know and I don't really like thinking about this but people are saying that like they've they've even made some changes to their bodies recently because body trends are becoming more skinny again and it I mean it's just (laughs) mind-boggling uh yeah I know to to do that to ourselves Um,
1: they're human Barbie dolls right
0: yeah yeah it's a little bit yeah it is a a interesting thing and challenging thing to think about for sure I want to ask you a few big questions about Canada Uh, what do you think Canada needs more of
1: I think we need more of um, fighting common ground thinking Mm. about what what we have in common as I said I just I really think that is a massive problem people don't realize or how disunited canada is yeah. because it, and think of it right now right think about how quebec how much quebecers hate alberta yeah and think about i mean and when you're in alberta or saskatchewan um, and a little bit of manitoba people there hate quebec right and then you've got in british columbia people don't even care about canada <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'm not joking. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the other side of the Rockies, whatever. I mean, really, I mean, we spend way more time thinking about Seattle, Washington State, going down to California than Mm -hmm. we think about going to Toronto. Right. And when I I, first, like, I was, I don't think I went to Toronto um, until I was like, I don't know, 15 or something. And I thought I had to change my money. Right, <laughs> I didn't believe would money. I love that. Right, love and that's that. true. That's still sort of true. So anyway, Canada is a very disunited country. Yes. If we keep on this dividing people stuff that we're doing. Mm-hmm. We are going to have a big problem, and I know it's way worse in the states than it is in Canada. But it's, um, but yeah. we're going to end up there. And well, at least in the states, they have some things that they all believe in, right? They've got a constitution and some things that bind them together. We don't have any of that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. It is an interesting thing because you know you can get stuck in your day-to-day life. But uh, when we see things like the trucker convoy and and other situations, you can really see how divided we actually are and what types of things that that can lead to. And it is really important, which is also, again, coming back to that idea of not just women, but more women in particular to be engaged with politics, to care about the issues, to pay attention, to run, to support people running. Um, What keeps you hopeful right now? Amongst all the craziness.
1: Um, I, I think um, we're starting to make some progress on fighting climate change. Mm. And I worry about climate change a lot because Mm. I mean, my son is 20 and when he's 30, he could be living in a completely different world if we don't kind of get this under control. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I feel hopeful that we are starting to make some progress there. And I think that is the single biggest problem that we face in the world, um, which, so that's good. Um, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful about that, but I'm also not hopeful because it's happening so fast and it's so such a, like it, it, the ocean is dying. The ocean is the building block of all life on earth. Just think about that when there's no food.
0: Yep. Um, so I, 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 it's been on my mind recently too, Christy, because we had that massive storm in Ottawa a few weeks ago, right. That really took, took out the city and took out people's power and stuff for uh, anyways. And then yesterday they were calling for tornado news tornadoes and we didn't get them, but you know, it starts to hit you a little bit more when it's happening at home and, yep. and you're seeing more and more of it. So you can actually see it happening and it, it changes things like, uh, yeah, tornadoes were something we never had to deal with before here. And that has changed and it's, and it's real. It, uh, Yeah. So it, yeah. it is certainly something that gets you thinking, what is next for Christy? What's, what's
1: I don't next? know. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm sort of just really digging what I'm doing right now. Right. I'm, That's I've great. just, I like helping. So, you know, my ex-husband is running for mayor of Vancouver, so I'm helping him and I did, you know, I'm fundraising for him and that kind of stuff. Um, You know, so I like helping other people. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I do a bit of work traveling and talking to women's groups about, about, you know, kind of how, you know, what we can do better um, to, or what, you know, what we need to change. And one of the things that I continue to do is to try and encourage women to run for office Mm -hmm. because Stephanie, you like, I have talked to probably a thousand women to try and get them to run for office.
0: Yeah.
1: And they all say, well, you know, Christy, but what if somebody asked me a question? I don't know the answer to it. I don't know your whole platform and oh gosh, you know, and I just, I'm not sure. And you know, and then I've talked to a thousand men, you know what they, every single one of them says, yes. I can't believe it took you so long to ask me to run. Right? I just finally, yeah. you it out right uh-huh. and that is we we, we got to get over ourselves
0: Christy own way. you're hitting on one of my nerves when I when I ran um I ran in a rural riding and there was definitely like farmers that were like I will not vote for you just because you're a woman it has nothing to do with your credentials or your experience and my husband said to me one day he's like I actually think it would be easier for me to win this riding than you and I said you know the sad part is I think that's true how sad. And he doesn't have near the experience or expertise that I do. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is crazy.
1: It is crazy. I mean, it's so wrong. Right. But good for you for deciding to run because so many women and the difference is we are raised to always be questioning ourselves. You know, well, she's a woman. Can she really do it? Is the subtext of so much of our lives from the time we are little children. And boys don't get that same level of scrutiny. So we're always like thinking, what does somebody find? I'm kind of, what, I'm I'm sort of feeling like a fraud here. Right. Yeah. And yes. Let's just make it up. They don't know the answer to something. They just
0: wing it. Well, it's so true because I was going to a debate on um, like environmental issues and farming and actually went and called the critic from the party, like in charge of that file to make sure that I was. I never wanted to be caught saying something that then when I ran couldn't be true right like oh, yeah um that integrity is really important to me but yeah like most people don't go and like do that kind of thing right so um yeah so interesting
1: well like look at J.D. Vance in the states you've been following this he's he, he was no. anyway he's this he wrote this book called Hillbilly Elegy and really, and he hated Donald Trump. And the, he just said the worst things about Donald Trump, like really, really awful stuff. And then he decides he wants to run as a Republican. So he starts saying all these great things about Donald Trump. And he says, well, I changed my mind. Yeah. And everybody said, okay, you can change your mind. There, I, I defy your listeners, yeah. Stephanie, to find a single example of a woman being allowed to change her mind, like, mm-hmm. like J.D. Vance did, without being called a complete fraud and a liar.
0: Yeah, it yeah, the the expectations are definitely different. Do you, would you get involved more formally again in the future? Are you open to it, I guess?
1: You mean running again? Yeah. I don't know, maybe. I mean, I I never really close the door to anything. Yeah. Um yeah, maybe. It's maybe. so tiring
0: though, right? Like even I can I can tell Chris even as you're saying maybe you're like that's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of but you know, seven I you know then
1: I I wouldn't be able to have a conversation like this yeah with you yes. right yeah because yes. everything I said would be forensically taken apart and some dumb thing I said would wind up on the news right yes. you just can't you can't relax
0: no it's it's actually so refreshing when politicians are out of office and can speak their truth or I loved the the Canada 2020 series series where they went through with the first ministers and interviewed folks and even even um Kim Campbell who's the former prime minister the stuff she says on Twitter sometimes I'm like she would never get away with any of that if she was uh I running
1: I know Kim is like Kim is on a tear yeah you know you know and good for her right why not yeah and, and but you know and the, the funny thing about it is her the reception she's received has been oh, maybe Kim's kind of lost it. Yes. You know, she, yeah. yeah. Like, come on. She's yeah. just, you know, she's just saying what she thinks.
0: She's opinionated. But, she, yeah. Like but she's an
1: opinionated woman, right? Yeah. yeah. But for her, she's making it easier for the rest of us to be opinionated. Right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm she's paving,
0: she's paving the way for everybody else. We have a few rapid fire questions as we wrap up. What is one piece of advice you'd want to leave with listeners?
1: Um, It would be, to do the hard thing don't be afraid of it don't don't buy into this notion that you're somehow a fraud that you're somehow you know your people will find out that you're not good enough right just just do it just really have it's it's some it's not really just confidence it's 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 an act of rejection an acknowledgement of those sexist attitudes that hold us back just jettison them
0: yeah there's design. this TikToker who says i don't receive that yeah. yeah yeah just it's
1: it's bs and you know you have to acknowledge that it's there and you have to recognize that you've internalized that mm-hmm. because most of us have
0: yeah and so you don't even recognize it it's so true you have to actually think about it What's the best rule you ever broke?
1: uh, Best rule I ever broke. I you know I I broke a lot of rules. I I'm kind of a rule breaker. I mean,
0: constant rule breaker.
1: I well, I kind of am. You know, like I um I I I kind I'm not a very conventional person. So I I don't know best rule I ever broke I don't know I, I I let my kid swear as much as he wants maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe you know whatever I don't know I no, that's I, a good I, I don't like admitting to breaking rules And maybe Stephanie that's part that's of the okay. problem. The well
0: question. even the fact that women women running in politics that's not a rule but it used to be I guess that women can't and you're breaking traditions. I'm that
1: okay I broke a tradition there yes yeah. can yes. you name
0: another woman that inspires you
1: I you know Margaret Thatcher I mm-hmm. you know I didn't agree with everything she did but I but I agreed with a lot of it in retrospect she was fantastic for Britain and um, she was tough as nails and (laughs) she had no self-doubt and she just got it done I loved I I thought she was a fantastic example for what women can do did you ever
0: meet her no
1: no, No. no she was sort of before my time I have met Her Majesty the Queen and Kate Middleton and Um, you know, the queen inherited her title, didn't really kind of work for the, to get the job, but the job's been a lot of work and she's done a darn good job of it in the years that she's been there.
0: Yeah. Um, Very interesting.
1: And you know, and I think Hillary Clinton, um, the most qualified Mm -hmm. woman person ever to run for president and she just, what she endured, um, was just awful. And the fact that she's still people think that she was sex trafficking children from the basement of a pizza parlor in New York with aliens or something like, are you kidding me? Like the stuff that people believe about her is just beyond comprehension. And I think to walk around with and knowing all that stuff and still be able to smile and have a life. Yeah is an amazing accomplishment in itself
0: oh yes yeah so much scrutiny for women is there a podcast you're loving right now
1: um i you know i love this is so nerdy (laughs) i love listening to the cd howe
0: institute (laughs) podcast so if you're a policy wonk or geek, well, Christy says. No,
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Well, but the reason I'm interested in it, though, is because we are moving into a recession. Mm-hmm. And our governments across the country have done an awful job yeah. of on spending, right? They mm-hmm. have just been borrowing money like there's no tomorrow. And guess what? Time to pay the piper. When money yep. was free, you know, it was all well and good. Well, money isn't good, isn't free anymore. And people are, you know, if on an individual level, people are talking about losing their homes. Yes. If to go up by another yeah, person.
0: I saw a news article saying like one in four people. That's a lot of people.
1: That's a lot of people. And it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yeah. But then what we're going to also see, government has got itself into a pickle here and they're going to have less money because you pay the bank first. If you're a government or if you're a homeowner, yeah that means there's going to be less money to pay for health care so we're going to have less health care we're going to have less education we're going to have less environmental protection we're going to have less child uh, child uh, care like all of that stuff so you're each people are going to have terrible trouble in their individual finances and they're going to have less government service to look to thanks a lot yeah. government spending <laughs> government
0: right
1: yeah listen so to the cdi house too do because you it it's they're short right they're like 20 minutes you get some super smart person who explains things in real terms and it just it's really helping me get a grip on the economy and
0: we oh, will have to take a lesson.
1: yeah it's sounds I mean, interesting it's actually not as boring as it sounds
0: <laughs> can you tell us about a book that made you wiser
1: um you, you know yes so i have a book called there's a, a harvard business review does a book called women in leadership and i'd really recommend it to everybody you can get it on the harvard uh, business um, uh, review website it is and it's like 15 bucks or something little soft cover book it is filled with really short articles about all the studies that have been done of some of these incredible women high achieving women and all the self-doubt that they have it's great a great weed because you're like i read it i'm like Oh my God. I'm not the only one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's part of the reason I do the podcast is so people look at you, Christy, and they're like, Oh, like she had questions and challenges and all these things too. Like I could be a Christy Clark. She, you know, it's not all figured out. It's not all perfect. There's another
1: book by David Brooks. I'm turning around here. So it's called, I've got, I've got it right here. Well, I won't get it. It's called the road to character. People, It is such a great book. It's, um, again a bunch of stories about people who've done incredible things but it's a, it's really about um live like b- living in a really authentic life to do good things for other people
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and I uh, that book I've read it probably 25 times and yeah. I have given it to so many young people when they've graduated from high school it's really my favorite book of all time the road to it's character amazing. by David Brooks
0: huh. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us today and sharing your wisdom with us, Christy. Thank you for listening to Women Don't Do That. I hope you feel inspired to do whatever it is you think you can't do. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Stay connected on Twitter and Instagram at Women Don't Do That. I would love to have you join the conversation, so make sure you join our next Instagram Live. Find all our podcast and blog content at womendontdothat.com. Join me next time.